0: James, I have a story to read to you about you and me and our friend Andrew. Okay. There's actually a couple of small chapters before this, but I'm going to jump into one, like the third or fourth chapter into the story. Uh It says, as the three friends continued their hike, they stumbled upon a clearing and to their surprise, they were confronted by a Yeti. The yeti let out a deafening roar and charged towards them. Andrew stepped forward and tried to fight off the yeti with his walking stick, but the creature was too powerful and swatted him aside. Andrew lay on the ground, his injuries severe, with blood all over his clothes. He looked at his friends and made a joke. Looks like I got myself a yeti scratch. Sean rushed to Andrew's side to assess his injuries, freaking out at the sight of the blood. He started quoting statistics about the likelihood of Andrew dying and said, According to these statistics, if we don't get medical attention soon, you have a 50% chance of dying. James looked at Andrew's injury, calmly said, Just nothing but a scratch. He then quickly thought of a solution and began to direct the group. We need to create a distraction that would lure the Yeti away from us. Gather branches, sticks, and dry leaves and follow my lead. As the Yeti was occupied, James gathered... Gathered branches, sticks, and dry leaves and created a fire. He then used a mirror to reflect the sunlight toward the Yeti, creating a blinding light that disoriented the creature. The Yeti started to retreat into the forest. The group quickly gathered their things and helped Andrew to stand up. They made their way back to safety, with Sean supporting Andrew along the way. Thanks to James's quick thinking and leadership, they were able to escape the Yeti and make it back
1: safely. <laughs> Well, that was an interesting story <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are more there are more
0: um episodes there are more Hardy Boys chapters that go along <laughs> along with
1: the <this> story <laughs> yeah yeah the one thing that that I find quite humorous is i mean its it's a yeti so obviously that's somewhat fantastical hmm but um i'm I'm saying. Hey, let's do this thing, and I'm very measuredly talking. Which, I mean, the Yeti's probably standing there, like looking at me with blood <laughs> dripping off its its fangs. Uh, yeah. And then I say, "Okay, well, let's let's create a distraction." And so I spend a bunch of time gathering sticks, and then I <laughs> while well, I, I get a fire there saving going. Andrew's life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the Yeti's standing there. It's like okay, guys, you know, is this really taking you a while to get this fire going? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he could have killed me fifty times by the time I got the fire going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly, it certainly paints me in a good light, but in the same, in the same <laughs> way, it also is quite unrealistic. Yeah. So I guess the question is, where did this story come from? Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad <laughs> who to say wrote that, this thing. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> to say that I didn't write it. I'm pretty sure I could do
0: a much better job. <laughs> yeah uh no i i put into chat gpt uh it was interesting um probably a lot of our listeners know something about uh chat gpt by now and ai but i have been messing around with the prompts trying to figure out how to get the the ai to write something that was a little bit more capturing the characters that i was looking for And so my prompt doesn't have a lot of detail about the story itself, but um, just as a matter of interest, I started out saying uh, my character's personalities are, um, James is fairly robotic and pragmatic and nerdy. Andrew is a big stereotypically lumberjack and likes to joke. (laughs) Sean is a perfectionist uh, who is the least brawny and prefers statistics and then as I went through <laughs> adding chapters to it I just said to the AI remember the characters that I have and make these tweaks to to their characters and so by the end of my, mm-hmm. my last installment it was actually getting to be a lot better where um, the, the personalities were coming through and I think we had just encountered a, a snow leopard and had defeated that And and we were yeah still traveling through the mountains and uh, the character James is like salivating, thinking about being able to eat the snow leopard and talking about supper (laughs) while Andrew's making jokes while he's limping along and and Sean is reading a book about uh, how we're not going to survive. So (laughs) 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 it
1: uh, was starting starting to capture us a little better by the end. Mm -hmm. I've played around a bit with chat GPT as well. I played around with it in slightly different contexts. I didn't I think I did ask it to write some stories, but that wasn't mainly what I was doing. I was asking it to help me with my work in some instances. Mm-hmm. We can maybe talk more about that later. But it it's um the reason why we wanted to do this episode is that it was about I don't know, Sean, when was it? Maybe last half of last year, mm-hmm. where these photo like art generation, yeah, like AI art generation tools, like Dolly Two and Stable Diffusion, mm-hmm. started showing up, and eventually they got to where the public could play around with them. And mm-hmm. I've I played around with them a bit. Then I think it was in possibly November that Chat GPT, which is a text, uh, it's a it's a language model. Mm-hmm. So instead of doing images, it does language. Was released to where anybody could use it if they wanted to for free, right? And started playing around with it, and uh, it was quite astounding what it could do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was, and for that reason, I thought you know this. It seemed like there was this change all of a sudden to where we started. It, it became more and more of a big deal, and it there was talk about it being integrated into into all these different things and. Integrated into search engines and integrated. Now they're talking about integrating it into uh, Microsoft Office because Microsoft has a stake in OpenAI, which is the company that makes ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it's something that Christian should be thinking about. And I don't know exactly how we should be thinking about <laughs> it or what we should be, yeah. But it felt like it should be something that we should we should talk about. So yeah, it and just just yesterday I did. Uh, a Google search for
0: I don't even remember what the thing was and uh, my Google search came up with a prompt and said th- this uh, this search was made possible I don't know what the wording was exactly but this, this search happened through Google's AI which I don't even remember the name of it now it, it told me at that moment and I think it even asked would you like to do a survey about how you feel about this and I just said skip survey so I don't know how many people are getting those prompts over the, right right around this time, but Google it mm-hmm. and some of the other search engines are working on their own AI. But James, what is AI? Is like we we've talked various <laughs> times over the last year about different aspects of black magic, and this is going to be another one.
1: <laughs> so uh, give us a give us a brief explainer. Well, AI is short for artificial intelligence. For those that weren't aware of that, It's it's been something that computer scientists have been working toward for a long time. I think back in the 1940s, there was a British computer scientist called Alan Turing, who came up with the idea of what's called the Turing Test, mm-hmm. and the Turing Test is where you ask questions, like you, you have a computer, you have a human who's asking questions to the computer, and... They can't tell, let's it, say, there's somebody that's, that's writing questions on a keyboard, and they don't know if on the other side of the wall is a computer or if the other side of the wall is a human that's answering the questions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if the human cannot tell if it's, uh, the human that's asking the questions can't tell if there is a human or a computer on the other side of the wall, then the computer has passed the Turing test. Mm-hmm. I would say we've we've already had computers that are like that for quite a long time. I remember... Years ago, uh, back in the day of AOL Messenger, I think it's AOL. I'm not sure what it was, but it was a Microsoft Messenger type service. This was in the early thousands, like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. I believe it was. Um, I was just, <laughs> just kind of the first time I'd ever really used the internet was right around there. I was using it with using dial up. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I would. You know be messaging different different friends of mine that had it and you there were there were chat bots so you could you could go online and you could go to this certain website and you could ask questions of this chat bot and it was you know back in the day it seemed astonishing that this thing could answer It was a computer mm-hmm. and it could answer questions and you could talk back and forth you could have a uh, you could hold a conversation obviously things have progressed quite substantially in the last uh, twenty years roughly. So that's that's really what it is, is we're trying to, with AI, we're trying to take computers, you know, most of the time we use a computer, we sit in front of it and we type, we tell it what to do. We we put information into it, we format text, we run spreadsheets, we send email, and the computer just does what we tell it to do. But more and more, we're trying to get computers to do things on their own. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's driven by what are called algorithms and Algorithm is a really fancy-sounding word, but it really just means instructions. Uh-huh. If you're multiplying two two-digit numbers, that whole process of multiplying, if it's more than, you know, if if it's more than, uh, if the result is more than nine, like if you have ten or more, mm-hmm. uh, three times four, you carry the one, you drop the two down, then you go to the next number, multiply that, and you add them. that That's an algorithm. Mm-hmm a very simple one, but that's what it is. When we're teaching students how to do math, in a sense we're teaching them algorithms, processes to come to a final answer. And that's what we do with computers, but they're much, much more complicated than a third or fourth grader doing multiplication. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a little bit what what we're doing here is we're training computers to do more and more complex tasks. You know, before it's it's maybe... For instance, you have computers that are autopilots on airplanes, mm-hmm. and they're able to control all the different surfaces on a on an airplane, so they can fly straight and level. And I think there's even autopilots now that can land airplanes. They're they're getting getting more and more advanced all the time. So you talked about the the Turing test and whether or
0: not a computer can uh, essentially mimic a uh, a human, mm-hmm. and now we're uh, moving into algorithms and and artificial intelligence, we have Chat GPT. But what what I want to know is how did how does my laptop know h- how to write <laughs> in story form mm-hmm. or whatever you know whatever prompt I give it. How, where is it pulling it from? The, is there a sentience in my laptop that is
1: enabling <laughs> it to do that? Uh, no, I would say there isn't. So AI is a little bit misleading, I would say. We, we say AI and throw it around. I've heard AI used to talk about how on social media they can track our behavior and give us ads. Mm-hmm. And I, I would not say that's AI. That's simply they're just gathering data about... Hey, James clicks on a lot of rocket videos. Let's try to sell him a flight to space. <laughs> is this like more like machine learning? Would that be a better term? Maybe, maybe. So when I think of AI, I think of intelligence, like almost human like intelligence, that is in a computer. Mm-hmm. And we're not there yet. We have extremely complicated algorithms that appear to be able to think and maybe to be able to reason, but. Really, they're just carrying out their instructions. Yeah, they're extremely complex instructions. And in the case of Chat GPT, from what I understand, they went through the internet and downloaded huge amounts of data, huge amounts of text, and ran that through the language model that's called. I'm trying to think what it's called. Uh, GPT three, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that there's these different models that they're developing. So what it's doing is it's is when you ask it a question say, write a story about James, who is robotic and pragmatic, and Andrew, who's like a lumberjack. So it looks through, Oh, and and they're being attacked by a Yeti. Well, it looks through and sees all the places where it talks about Yetis and different characteristics of Yetis. Then it also looks at, okay, what do lumberjacks do? How do they act? Yeah. (laughs) How does somebody that's robotic and pragmatic act? Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating about it is it's not just spitting out like, if you would take that story and you would run it like a lot of times if you take if you take some text that you run across and you put it into Google, it'll take you to the web page that it came from hmm i've I've had some students in the past that um, wanted to wanted to take the easy route to finish <laughs> up their research paper uh-huh. <laughs> and copied and pasted from Wikipedia well. I'm no dummy. I figured that out pretty quickly. <laughs> and so I just I, I just copied and pasted some of the text. It took me to Wikipedia. Um, obviously, blatant plagiarism. But with with that story about the Yeti, it's pulling the concept of a Yeti or characteristics of Yetis mm-hmm. off of the internet. But if you would take that text and drop it into Google or some other search engine, it would not take you to a website and say, oh, this is where the story about the Yeti came from. Right. It's... It's synthesizing information from a bunch of different areas and turning it into something that is, in essence, brand new. Right. Mm-hmm. You could say that it's not being creative because it's not creating anything new, but in a sense, that's what we do when we write things. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we do research. We research about AI, and then we're getting together. We're doing a podcast, and there's not that many ideas or information almost no information that we're saying that is brand new to us it's stuff we gleaned from different different sources and that's kind of what chat gpt is doing there is nothing new under the sun exactly <laughs> you talked about some
0: of the examples of art you mentioned uh problems with well you mentioned problems with plagiarism that you had as um, a, a lit teacher we don't know where all this sort of application of artificial intelligence might go but i'm curious what you think about you also mentioned that you use it, have used it somewhat to help you in your in your work mm-hmm. so are we getting more are we getting closer to that point where we can just tell the the computer write a novel about X and it's going to be able to split that out. And so we're not going to need writers. We're not going to need uh, Mm -hmm. whatever the application might be. And maybe even stepping back uh, a full step before that, how are Mm -hmm. high schools, colleges, universities (laughs) going to deal with having a, for example, chat GPT, be able to take the prompt from their professor, Mm -hmm. plop it in, and it's going to be able to spit out exactly what he's asking for. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a problem. And almost immediately after I ran across this ChatGPT and saw that it was being released, I immediately went to, okay, this thing can write a passable essay. So one of the first things that I plugged into ChatGPT was, what is existentialism or uh, write an essay about existentialism. Mm -hmm. And I'm not an existentialism expert, but I know enough about it to know kind of what it is. And it just spit it out. I think it was about 500 words or so. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a little bit repetitive and slightly mechanical and robotic sounding, but it was very passable. Like if, if three, if, um, if a student from 2023 could have went back to the past in 2019 and I'd ask my literature class to write an essay on existentialism, and I would have been given that. I would have been like, well, it's not the most creative essay ever, but, I mean, it's very passable. I mean, I would say it's very good, Mm -hmm. and I would have probably given them an A. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would have had no idea that it was written by, well, obviously it wouldn't have existed yet, but I would have had no idea it was written by AI, Mm -hmm. and I would have had no way to check it. So working in education as I do, that's where my mind went immediately. And I'm not sure what the solution is. I think some of it is I don't know, I think we're gonna have to ask our students to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And to a certain extent, like I mean once students you you could say reach the age of accountability or reach the age where they're more responsible for themselves in, in high school, I would say to a certain extent we say, okay, we expect you to not to not cheat Using chat g p t is not acceptable, just don't do it mm-hmm. and if you do you're you're going to be considered cheating and If they do it anyway, well in a sense, there's nothing we can really do about it, but they know that they took the short you know the the shortcut and that they went against what they were supposed to do to a certain extent. I'm fine with it just being with them like that's that's kind of their problem um but how is chat g p t different from using a calculator in math? hmm. I would say that the difference is that you have to put in well there's a couple different things. One there are there are things in math. It's basically just doing the the computation. It's it's labor intensive and it takes a while. And so a lot of times what we're doing is we're trying to test them on different areas that they understand. So for instance in chemistry there's this um mathematical type of chemistry called stoichiometry where you you have a certain amount of reactants that are going into the reaction and you're calculating how much product is going to be produced Mm -hmm. and you can do that mathematically well i have students that have calculators have expensive calculators and they just completely fail Mm -hmm. that section they have a calculator to help them with the computation, but if they don't understand the what's actually going on, mm-hmm. they don't understand the concept, they're lost. I can tell exactly. So if, we're, if we are testing students' ability to compute, to add 2 plus 2 and we give them a calculator, mm-hmm. then it's the same as ChatGPT. In mm-hmm. other words, we can no longer accurately assess their understanding of, of that ability to compute 2 plus 2 yeah if we're trying to assess how well they can do a chemistry problem, then a calculator does not hinder that assessment. Does that make sense? yeah I think so. And one of the articles that you shared with me
0: in in the in the show notes talks about a i believe it's a university professor who who <laughs> had given a prompt and a piece came back. Uh, almost perfect mm-hmm. uh, almost perfectly meeting all the criteria for his prompt and he said that was his red flag <laughs> 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 when you get a perfect paperback something's wrong yeah and so he talked with his student and realized this came through chat gpt mm-hmm. so he thought about it what he wanted to do and his approach is that he's going to use it as a tool for like in his teaching process mm-hmm. and he slightly tweaked the way he's going about it. they're now doing their first draft, their rough draft in, in the classroom in, in uh, study hall together mm-hmm. with no access to chat GPT mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. There, there are filters or blocks in place to help with the uh, more dishonest ones. <laughs> and then, then he is putting into the prompt, uh, or putting the prompt into chat GPT. They're coming back to class and they're comparing, uh, look what this AI did and, uh, trying to build off of what's good about it and what's bad about it. Mm-hmm. I have only, I, I've only dabbled in this for several weeks now, yeah. but so far I haven't been fooled yet by. Mm-hmm. A literary piece by Chat GPT, and the reason is again that it ticks every single box. Yeah, it's very systematic. Yeah, and what we call that in literature, well, at least it touches on tropes. There are tropes in in literature where you open a particular way, you develop your character a particular way, uh, you moralize in some way, mm-hmm. and then. You have your 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 big event, and then a conclusion that summarizes. Mm-hmm. And Chat GPT does that every time without without fail. Yeah. And that's where the humanity is <laughs> <laughs> um, missing is that hu- humans humans fail. Like if you if you look at whoever your favorite author is, there's stuff wrong with. If you want to put that in air quotes, their writing that's what makes it unique and. It's the, our uniqueness, I guess, that makes us human. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Do you think that if uh, they keep training this language model, that it will be able to to uh, get past that uncanny valley and <laughs> and be more
1: <laughs> more unique? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mentioned in the episode a couple a number of weeks ago about things I'm pessimistic about the future talking about the whole thing of uh, the video, Humans Need Not Apply, and that when we first started talking about AI and machine learning, it was thinking about replacing these very mechanical, systematic, like factory-line worker-type jobs with with robots and machines. Mm -hmm. But we kept saying, well, creative jobs, like writing, making art... Those things are going to stay around. That's what makes us uniquely human. Yeah. Well, this past year, okay, there's these AI art generators, and some of them produce—I mean, a lot of the stuff that's produced is quite atrocious. (laughs) It's not good. It looks awful. The people's hands look like they got mangled in a uh, paper shredder or something. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's not gruesome, but it just—it doesn't look right. Their faces don't look right. But um, in a sense, it can make better art than I can. (laughs) Right. But you get a good artist, can just blow it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then we we kind of got past that. Now people said, well, but we're, you know, at ideas and writing and that sort of creativity. Okay, well, now ChatGPT comes along and kind of gets rid of that. Well, now we're saying, okay, but it's mechanical and it does it in this very formulaic way. Mm-hmm. There's different things that I... There's somebody at work that I've been sending. that I put things into ChatGPT, put in prompts, send it to them, and they... Kind of respond and and she said the other day it's like I'm just getting tired of reading this stuff it's so like it's got the same boring yeah <laughs> weary style yeah um yeah. just got tired of reading some of these stories mm-hmm. and I was like yeah that's true but in a sense I'd say it's probably a better writer than a lot of <laughs> uh, sixth and seventh graders that's, um yeah. at least like at least the mechanics like the nuts and bolts of grammar and sentence structure mm-hmm. it's got it mm-hmm. um and. So what I'm saying is I think it's going to get better. I don't know how much better, but I think it's definitely going to get better. One thing that fascinated me was there's somebody, there's a podcaster and YouTuber called Matt Whitman, and he did, uh, he asked ChatGPT to write a short sermon Mm -hmm. about a section from the Gospel of Matthew. Mm Mm-hmm. And he read the three sermons. Well, uh, there was one sermon that he wrote, and two that Chat GPT wrote. Mm-hmm. And he read all the sermons. Did you Did you watch that video? I did. Yep. Okay. And you were able to pick out which one was his and which one was Chat GPT. And the, yeah, easily. The reason was because yeah. of his choice of grammar. He used
0: some uh, a few bits of grammar incorrectly, and that was, mm. uh, yeah, I guess. If you're not a grammar <laughs> nerd, maybe it wouldn't work. But I mm-hmm. think even someone who's not <laughs> expert in grammar would pick up on, hmm, mm-hmm. that's not the way I would say it. And and because of that, it made his piece unique, where the other pieces were perfect, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think it's going to get a lot better. And I think... Maybe it will start writing stories that are a lot more realistic or that are more convincing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I definitely think it's going to get better. Well,
0: I don't know exactly how uh, language model, language modeling, and machine learning, all of this works, but what I what I started doing almost right away with my <laughs> the fun that I'm having is having telling it to write uh, little, yeah, novellas or short stories or that sort of thing. And when it spits it out too perfectly, I tell chat GPT, add this sort of nuance or add even this sort of error. And I think that if I were a language mm-hmm. modeling expert, I would introduce to my language model maybe a bit of uh, like say X percentage of of grammatical error or X percentage of not hitting the tropes just right. So that it gives it yeah. that little bit of human feel, but this is where mm-hmm. uh uh I wanted to touch on quickly before um we move into some more of your points in the notes. One of the dangers of of chat g p t is that it is super audacious, like it just knows everything even when it when it doesn't <laughs> it mm-hmm. it's taught to be completely confident, and mm-hmm. so if you ask it to do X prompt, and include citations, it will will include citations, even put in hyperlinks, and occasionally those hyperlinks will be fabricated. The citations will be made up. Mm-hmm. I've I've managed to make it lie for myself in fact <laughs> yeah <laughs> I shared with you James before this recording a eulogy that uh, chat GPT wrote for me <laughs> and it, I told it to talk about my blog where it said that I uh, what was it I champion social justice and uh, and communities that aren't uh, recognized like minority communities and so on which obviously is not true and if mm-hmm. I ask it where did you get this information from? It says, uh my URL, dot com and and the blog, which is not true. So mm-hmm. we're going we're already having problems with misinformation. Yeah, misinformation in, in the social media, internet uh space, and now people are going to go to these language model AI systems, ask it a question, and then say can you give me a citation? And it's going to say, this is from the New York Times or this is from whatever blah, 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 report. And people are just going to swallow that.
1: Where is that going to take mm-hmm. the misinformation? Do you have a <laughs> response to that? I think that is definitely a bit of an issue. So I've I've played around with different things. Um, yeah. One thing that I did is I've actually asked it to write devotionals mm-hmm. or to write stories with particular um scripture, you know, to quote scripture in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And it does it. It it quotes scripture just about perfectly. Like it it, it quotes it very confidently, but sometimes the scripture quotes, they don't quite work. Mm -hmm. They don't quite fit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you mentioned earlier about how I use it in my work and I work with a lot of text and we're currently working on a fourth grade science textbook. And occasionally I'll just ask it and say, rewrite this sentence at a fourth grade level, or take this sentence and split it into two sentences, Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at this sentence, at this content, and I'm not coming up with a way to split it into two sentences. Mm -hmm. But I know it needs to be shorter, and different times I've done that, a lot of the text really was not, like, it kind of gave me some ideas. Um, I maybe used a phrase or two from what it spit out, Mm -hmm. actually ended up using that in my, in in what I then submitted for that text. Of course, we ended up doing more editing to it, so it it didn't quite look like what I'd gotten from ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. But one specific example I think is what really blew me away. Uh, I I said, hey, can you take this sentence and split it into two sentences? It actually split it into three sentences, but I liked what it spit out so good that I ended up using it. Okay. Almost (laughs) word for word. Okay. And so, I mean, I had to write what was there in the first place. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if I would have just asked it write a sentence about sound and how loud sound can be, it would have given me not even close to what I wanted. But I had what I wanted, or pretty close. But it wasn't quite right, and it was able to give me something that worked a lot better. One thing that is a little bit scary is so Matt Whitman had it write a devotional in Matthew eleven. I've also had it write some devotionals, and it'll it'll put in Bible verses. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but We're currently working on a course on the Gospel of John, and I I put in, what is the Gospel of John about? The Gospel of John is one of the four Gospels in the New Testament of the Bible. It is believed to have been written by John the Apostle, and it tells the story of Jesus Christ's life and teachings. The the book begins with the famous words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to describe Jesus' miracles, his relationship with his disciples, and his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. The Gospel of John emphasizes the divinity of Jesus and his role as the Savior of humanity. It is an important text for Christians as it provides insight into the life and teachings of Jesus. So, uh, that's very solid. It's mm-hmm. not a lot of flair and flash to it, but it, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. And then something else that <laughs> I'd use ChatGPT for, this didn't go into the curriculum, but I uh, was talking with, with somebody involved with the Gospel of John project, and they said, "Well, what does ChatGPT say that John eight fifty nine means?" And I looked up John eight fifty nine. This is where Jesus. So in in John eight, J- uh, Jesus is talking to some of the Jews and says, "Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by." And it's a little bit of an ambiguous verse. Like, how is he able to just hit? like hide himself and go out of the temple. Mm-hmm. It's kind of up for interpretation. Was this a miraculous thing or was it not? So this is what ChatGPT said. John 8:59 59 is a verse in the Bible that reads, Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. This verse comes from the story of when Jesus was confronted by the Jewish leaders in the temple. They wanted to kill him because they didn't believe his claims of being the Son of God. In this verse, Jesus uses his divine powers to avoid being stoned to death by the angry crowd. He simply walks through the midst of them and escapes from the temple. The verse is significant because it shows that Jesus has control over his own fate and that he is willing to suffer for his beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> it got close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in other words, if if I would ask that question in a test and this is the answer that I would get from a student, I probably wouldn't think too much about it. I would say, oh, okay, that's a pretty good answer. Mm-hmm. The very last phrase, though, that Jesus is willing to suffer for his beliefs,
0: <laughs> that, that, uh, that's one red flag. Yeah. There mm-hmm. are several in here. Like it just, it doesn't quite, well, obviously <laughs> the language model doesn't know Jesus or recognize him as, as like a uh, savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it talks about him and, and as if he's just another man, mm-hmm. which could be an interesting perspective to have, but, uh, yeah it kind of misses the mark yeah for sure which i think is probably one of the problems that we're going to see i wonder how long this this uh fascination with the language model is going to last mm-hmm. is it just going to be a, a you know a flare and then it'll go away and people will realize this isn't a- as bulletproof as I, as i thought mm-hmm. i know that on some social media sites like, for example, TikTok, hashtag chat GPT <laughs> is really trending high and people are showing even their examples of how they're using it to uh, essentially cheat to get their work done in school. Mm-hmm. And what that means, whenever whenever a person cheats, that person is not gaining anything. That person is, that student is not learning. Yeah. And so... Maybe you're able to to move through the curriculum and get through the course, get to the other side, but you will be less intelligent for having used this this uh, AI language model, and so what I see is that maybe not dissimilarly to some of the things we've talked about in the past uh who was it James who said using printed books was going to be was going to make people dumb. Uh uh Aristotle maybe? Of course that seems ridiculous to us now, but his his thought it, was Actually I think it might have been Socrates, but anyway. <laughs> now that I'm I think, think about got, it. Well we'll have to ask Chat GPT. <laughs> 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 but his idea, whoever the philosopher was, was that before uh students kept all of the information in their heads even multiple languages. Uh, They knew different uh, philosophers and their views on life. They were able to debate based on the information that was stored in their heads. Mm -hmm. And taking that information out of their heads and putting it into books was a make easy button that should have made people more intelligent, but he was afraid that it would actually make them more dumb because Mm -hmm. they would not think for themselves. Instead, they would depend on the words of others. I guess that's up for debate, but that's where I see a little bit this this could take us in a lot of different areas of life. It would be nice to use it uh, as a basis for, you know, here's an idea, now take it and run with it. Mm-hmm. But people are going to be getting in a hurry. BuzzFeed has already had to apologize for some articles that they've put out that they've had their AI do essentially all the work Hmm. and their human editors didn't cast that they, there was uh, either falsified or inaccurate information in the articles. And so that's, what's going to happen. People are going to be on a deadline. Yeah. Um, They need to, you know, get their, their university assignment in, and they're without thinking, they're just going to present this thing and it's going to make them (laughs) dumber uh, in that way, but also people of of lowered
1: integrity, yeah, and that will be a little bit scary going yeah. forward mm-hmm. yeah, as far as whether it's going to be around or whether it's going to continue, I think it's going to continue, I could be wrong, but for instance, Microsoft just announced in the last week or two that it's planning to integrate chat g p t into its search engine Bing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now, Google is, I think, right about the same day, Google is doing this, is planning to do the same thing. And so, even if, for instance, you and I play with ChatGPT and then kind of forget about it, it seems like the tech companies, nobody wants to be left behind. Yeah, And so, in a sense, they might start pushing it because they don't want to be the ones that are left. And mm-hmm. so, it'll just become more and more of, of the, the apps and things that we use. For instance, Notion which is what we put our show notes in, Mm -hmm. a couple months ago, they started putting AI in there. And I'm not sure what model they use, but it seems similar to ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And so right within Notion, I don't don't even have to go out to a web page and put it into ChatGPT. I can just do it right inside of Notion as I'm working on notes. Mm -hmm. For instance, in in kind of preparation for this episode, I asked ChatGPT, what are the detrimental impacts of AI chatbots on education? Mm-hmm. And here are some of the things that it said. <laughs> okay. There are several potential detrimental impacts of AI chatbots on education that are worth considering. Some of these include, number one, lack of critical thinking. If mm. students become too reliant on chatbots to complete their work or answer their questions, they may not develop the critical thinking and problem-solving skills that are essential for success in the long term. Like, each of these has a bunch of elaborations. I'm just going to go down through them more quickly. Number two, lack of personalization. Limited... Subject matter expertise, lack of mm-hmm. creativity, limited socialization, students won't socialize as much, uh, limited language ability. Language models like ChatGPT can be quite impressive, but they still have their limitations, mm-hmm. and privacy and security. So those are just a few that <laughs> that were thrown out by ChatGPT, which is somewhat ironic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's around here to stay, and we've already talked about how that they can be useful in kind of getting you started or starting the brainstorming process. If you have something already, it can maybe help you with that. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if students are up against a deadline before, they didn't really have much, you know, they could copy off of Wikipedia or some article online, but that could be caught by plagiarism software. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now with that not happening, then... It's going to be much more of a temptation knowing, you know, my teacher's not going to be able to catch this, mm-hmm. this output. And so I think it's for one, students won't learn, but almost in another way, it's going to kind of feed our laziness, kind of our baser nature. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. That thing, that thing we have to fight against all the time. To, to take the, the low road instead of the high road, mm-hmm. it's going to be much easier to take the low road because before, if you did that, well, you're going to get a failing grade, mm-hmm. either because you wrote a terrible paper or because you were caught plagiarizing. Well, now you can write a fairly decent paper and you won't get caught plagiarizing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now the only thing that is keeping you, you know, there's not going to be any consequences if you at least not any short-term consequences, if you cheat. Mm -hmm. and So the only thing keeping you from cheating is your integrity. Yeah. If you don't Mm -hmm. have integrity, you're just going to fall into that. So I think that is a a very real concern. And I guess, I mean, there's different ways that you could get around letting students use this. Like you could do tests that are completely on paper Mm -hmm. and they can't take them home. It has to be done in a certain amount of time in the classroom. Yeah. (laughs) That could work but then you know writing essays and stories how's that going to work um how can you have students do that in the classroom i'm not sure and uh feeding that laziness
0: makes me think about what i already mentioned that it's just going to become easier and easier to accept what we find uh mm-hmm. um, online or what's 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 <laughs> spat out by ai and we already have a problem with this idea of echo chambers but now i'll be able to go to wherever the the ai happens to be whether it's in my search engine or in some other application that i'm using and ask it a question that is phrased in a way that I'm viewing the world, mm-hmm. and it's just going to spit back to me <laughs> what would what would be within that echo chamber, and and just create even more, I don't know, misinformation, I suppose. And I think this idea of of Pilate's question, "What is truth?", is going to become harder and harder to to answer for people, especially when they don't have critical thinking skills when they're not critical about what they're
1: mm-hmm.
0: what they're being fed.
1: Yeah, I agree. I have a feeling that as we you know, we 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 ask questions and it works well, and so eventually we're just going to start checking our brain at the door. Yeah. And just whatever <laughs> comes we're like, "Okay, well that must be the truth." I was listening to a podcast just yesterday and it was talking about how AI and for instance, being search using chat gpt how that's going to change things so you can ask what is the best laptop computer and it can just spit out maybe a list of five different ones mhm and i mean who's who's to say that that's actually the case mhm it's just going through the internet and just pulling a bunch of stuff off
0: well that may not be as damaging as asking it what is a moral response to hmm. uh abortion and chat gpt is being fed the the language model is being fed information from society and so as society reaches a tipping point on a given moral issue the language model is going to be spitting out answers that are that go with the majority they go with the the mainstream idea perhaps Mm -hmm. and so if a young person or if any person goes to to search because this is a lot of what what Google searches are. What should I do about X, or what is a, a proper way to think about X? You go to your language model that's pulling from the wide, uh, you know, all of society, or maybe particularly Western society at this point. It's going to feed you a response that is going to be skewed a particular way, and I think that's going to have long term effects on on the way people. Yeah, begin to think or begin not to think about particular mm-hmm. issues.
1: Yeah, I think I mean God gave us our brains to use them. <laughs> and if we start if we start handing over more and more of our thinking to these AI models, and especially AI models that are not built from a Christian or biblical worldview, uh there is definitely a possibility that's going to lead us astray in some way. But I think that yeah, we, we already have an issue with laziness, mm-hmm. and this is only going to probably make it worse. I don't know. I mean, this it, it could be that we'll learn how to how to deal with this, and we'll... Like, I'm not saying that the whole society is going to collapse, but it's probably not... It's, it's, it's kind of like social media. I mean, social media came along, and I would say that in a lot of cases it wasn't great. It didn't cause an entire collapse of civilization. I don't expect these language models to do the same. Yeah, I expect them to to be the same way. But there's still always unintended consequences. And yeah, we just have to uh, have to be careful. Well, on a lighter note, (laughs) we're not quite at the
0: apocalypse of of chat GPT. We're going to close out this episode with some lighter stories. James and I both put prompts into uh, into chat GPT. I don't know what James is going to read, and uh, we'll leave you with our with our story
1: time with Uncle James and Uncle Sean. <laughs> okay. Alright, so I put into chat GPT, write a story where two naughty children named Annie and Kathy play with a beehive and are horribly stung by the bees, and they learn a good lesson from it. Add applicable Bible verses. Mm. Once upon a time, there were two naughty children named Annie and Kathy who loved to play pranks and cause mischief. One day they stumbled upon a beehive in the forest and thought it'd be funny to throw stones at it to see the bees fly out. However, their actions soon led to disaster as the bees became angry and started to swarm around them, stinging them repeatedly. Annie and Kathy screamed in pain and tried to run away, but the bees followed them. Just then they remembered a Bible verse they had learned in Sunday school. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6-7 They realized that the painful stings they were experiencing were consequences of their mischievous <laughs> actions. Wow. Terrified and in pain, they prayed for help and begged for forgiveness. Suddenly, a kind old man appeared and told them of a special ointment that would ease the pain of the bee stings. He took them to a nearby stream where he made a paste from the leaves of a plant and applied it to their stings. The ointment worked wonders, and their pain immediately began to subside. The kind old man then sat with Annie and Kathy and told them about the importance of respecting nature and living in harmony with all creatures. He quoted another Bible verse, The Lord's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin, Romans two four. Kathy and Annie were filled with remorse for their actions and promised to never harm any creature again. From that day on, they lived a life of kindness and respect towards all living things and were never bothered by bees again. The end. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's hilarious how it hits
0: all the marks of a, of a child's <laughs> story paper. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, mine is another installment of the three friends, uh, James, Sean, and Andrew, and their, uh, their many adventures <clears throat> As the three friends made their way through the snowstorm, they were determined to reach the Sherpa Clinic high in the mountains. Because we'll remember that Andrew was injured from the Yeti attack. They knew that Andrew's injuries were severe and needed medical attention as soon as possible. They trudged on through the snow, pushing through the wind and cold. Just as they were nearing the clinic, they came across a snow leopard. The leopard let out a deafening roar and charged towards them. Andrew, who was still injured from his encounter with the Yeti, didn't hesitate and fought the leopard with his bare hands. He managed to tie the leopard's tail in a knot and said, Looks like I'm a regular knot-tying pro now. (laughs) (laughs) James, who always sought to analyze and provide facts, observed the leopard carefully and began to speak in a calm and steady voice. This is a snow leopard, also known as the ounce. It is a large feline that's native to the mountain ranges of Central and South Asia. He then added, This leopard is a subspecies of the leopard and is considered to be an endangered species, with less than 6,000 remaining in the wild. As James observed the leopard, he couldn't help but imagine the delicious things he could cook if they were to butcher the yeti and the leopard. He said, I hope we can make it back in time for supper. I can already taste the yeti and leopard stew. Sean, as he examined Andrew's wounds, scolded him for his reckless behavior. You could have been killed. What were you thinking? You're lucky to be alive. Andrew, who is known for cracking dad jokes in stressful situations, (laughs) replied, At least now I can say I've been scratched by a yeti and a leopard. Not many people can say that. The group helped Andrew to stand up and continued on their way to the clinic. With Sean supporting Andrew along the way, despite the injuries and obstacles they faced, the group made it to the clinic safely. They received medical attention for Andrew's wounds and were able to rest and recover. Although they didn't have the opportunity to feast on Yeti and Leopard Stew, James could not help but joke about it to lighten the mood. They all laughed and shared stories about their adventures and close encounters. They were grateful to have made it through the storm and back to safety, and they returned home with memories that would last a lifetime.
1: Okay, so I have an idea of maybe adding another story Mm -hmm. at the very end, like have like a long like thirty seconds of quiet, and then have a little Easter egg for those that stick around. Okay. So, okay, so I I just I I threw it into the prompt like into Chat GPT as you were talking because I'd already heard that story. Okay. James was a foodie, and there was no denying it. He would talk about food all the time to anyone who would listen. His friends would sometimes roll their eyes when he went on and on about his latest culinary adventure, but deep down, they all loved James for his passion and enthusiasm. (laughs) Sean was James's polar opposite. He was a coffee connoisseur, and he loved nothing more than a freshly brewed cup of coffee in the morning. He would spend hours talking about the nuances of different coffee beans and roasts, and he was always on the lookout for the perfect cup. (laughs) One day, James and Sean decided to get together for a meal. James was excited to share his love of food with Sean, and Sean was excited to share his love of coffee with James. They met at a small cafe in the heart of the city, and James was amazed at the variety of coffee options on the menu. He had never seen so many different types of coffee in one place before. Sean, meanwhile, was equally impressed with the food. He was used to grabbing a quick bite on the go, but the cafe's menu offered an array of dishes that were both delicious and beautifully presented. Over the course of the meal, James and Sean found that they had more in common than they had originally thought. They both loved the experience of trying new things and discovering new flavors, and they were both passionate about their respective interests. As they talked and laughed over their meal, they both realized that they had been missing out on a lot by focusing only on their own interests. From that day on, James and Sean made the point of getting together regularly to explore new foods and coffee, and they quickly became the best of friends. Years later, they opened up their own cafe, serving both delicious food and expertly crafted coffee. The cafe quickly became a popular spot, and people would come from far and wide just to taste the unique creations of James and Sean. And so it was that two people with very different interests came together to form a partnership that would change their lives forever. <laughs> now we know how our lives end. This is how we retire. Yeah. yeah I. Uh, the prompt was, write a story about James. He loves food and talks about it all the time. And Sean, who loves coffee above all things. <laughs> <laughs> it's so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, bad.